and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as, and we hid as were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my right, uh, let me back up, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful and so grateful for this time of year, especially as we've marked it and set it aside and consecrated it for a time that we celebrate the birth of the coming of our precious Savior, the Messiah of the world. And I pray that you would help us as we look into this chapter and into these passages, that you would uh, give us full understanding, illumination, and under, uh, understanding of the prophecies that were fulfilled. Lord, not just one or two, but every single one of them were fulfilled in full and completely. And so, Father, we pray that you would help to encourage our faith, strengthen us, cheer our hearts. And, Lord, may we leave here today rejoicing, having been around your word, around the leading of your Holy Spirit and the fellowship of your uh, family of God in the uh, time of uh, uh, singing and praise, that we would rejoice in the time that we've spent here together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's begin in verse number 1. We find a question that Isaiah uh, is asking here, and he starts off by saying, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And he's indicating here that uh, that the one that is being spoken of in this particular chapter is uh, one who would uh, be rejected. People would not believe him that he was who he said he was, or that he is who he said he is. And so he's questioning, he's, he's like, there's, we can't find anyone. Who, who's going to believe his report? Uh, who's going to believe this? And so uh, we find the fulfillment of that. And again, hold your place in Isaiah 53. We're going to be back there each time. 
And I'm going to try to keep you mostly in the first part of the New Testament to try to make it a little easier on you. But let's turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. John, chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse number 37. But though he had done many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And so John actually gives the exact reference of Isaiah, uh, the exact verse that we just read, and shows the fulfillment of that. In the Lord Jesus, the fact that they would not believe, even though He had shown them many miracles. Now, I'll be real frank with you. Uh, if someone came on the scene and claimed to be the Son of God, I would I would laugh and laugh them to scorn, and not believe them. And if they showed me a miracle, not a not a magic trick, but a miracle, uh, I would be a little bit like, "Wow, that's that's pretty good." But you know how our human nature is. We're a little bit skeptical of things. And John makes the mention of the fact that there weren't just one or two miracles that were performed for these folks. But the Bible says there were many miracles. And I like, I like to think that I would have greater faith in the people during Christ's time. But the truth is, um, our faith is not much better sometimes, is it, than some of their faith. But these people would reject him, even in spite of that. And I'm reminded of the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and how that when they uh, were both uh, dead and, and uh, Lazarus had been carried to Abraham's bosom, the rich man lifted up his eyes in torments. And after he realized that there was nothing that could be done, he, he asked Abraham, he said, Could you send Lazarus back? Because I have five brothers. And uh, he said, If one would go to them from the dead they would believe Him. You remember that statement? And the rich man was making that argument, that if one would go to them from the dead, uh, they'll turn, they'll repent, they'll, they'll, they'll turn to Christ. Um, and you remember what Abraham told them? They have Moses and the prophets. If they won't believe those, they won't believe though one would come to them from the dead. And that was the gist of what was saying. I, I can't quote it word for word. But the idea was this. That men oftentimes say, show me a sign and I'll believe. The truth is, Jesus has given so much proof. And they have still not believed. And this is going to continue to go on in the time that we live even. Where people are going to see the evidences and proofs of God. And yet they're going to choose willingly not to believe. This was a prophetic prophecy that Isaiah spoke of here in the very first verse of this chapter. Uh, that there were going to be some rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't going to believe Him even though He had worked many, many miracles among them. And so again, we said this last week, if only one miracle, or, or one prophecy, excuse me, had been fulfilled in its entirety, word for word, exactly, uh, it would have been exceptional. It would have been uh, a, a huge proof of the, of the truth of who Jesus was. There are, I, I've, there's a list I came across the other day. I've not been through all of them. Uh, these are ones I had written down, some that I knew of, some that a few other people added to my list that I had here. But there was one list I came across where a man had over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus had 
fulfilled. Now, I have not gone through all the ones he has listed to make sure of that, make sure he was accurate and right according to Scripture. But I wouldn't be surprised by that. And God wanted to make sure that when Jesus came on the scene, that if anyone denied he was the Son of God, they would have to be absolutely refusing and rejecting to look at the evidences and the proofs that were given in the prophecies of Scripture. God went so far beyond what needed to be done to show man that this was his Savior, this was his Son. We find here in verse number 1, the first prophecy that's fulfilled. The second one is found in verse number 2. The Bible says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And so uh, the Jews, when they were looking for a Messiah, they were looking for a king to come back in his splendor, in his glory, and to deliver them from captivity and to rule and reign over them in the world. And they will see that in the millennial period, but they were expecting him to come in that manner. And yet Isaiah said that's not the manner he's going to come in. He's going to come with, without any grandeur. He's going to come. There's no form or comeliness that we should desire him. He's going to come as just an ordinary man, an ordinary person. He's not going to be looking special. He's not going to come with royal regal robes and, and trumpeters to announce his coming and uh, horses and chariots. He's going to come in a humble way as an ordinary man. And in Philippians chapter number 2, Philippians chapter 2, after you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, then you have some of the Pauline epistles. Uh, you have 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So about the midpoint, I would say, of your New Testament, somewhere in that range. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, and uh, let's see if he fulfills this prophecy as well. Verse number 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's speaking here of Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So he was, he was the King of kings, the Lord of lords in heaven. That's the form he had. Notice what it says here, But made himself of what? No reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he could have come as a king, a conquering king. He could have come in his glory and in his regal robes to rule and to reign and to deliver his children. But he chose to come in a meek and a mild form of a, of a, of a baby. He was found in fashion as a man. And so we find in Philippians chapter 2 that he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 2. The next one is found in the first part. We're going to see actually four different prophecies in verse number 3. The first one is, he is despised. He is despised. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter number 4. And we're going to start in verse number 28. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 28. And it says, And they and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, 
were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him onto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. He was despised by these people. He was in the synagogues teaching them things, profound things, things that uh, these men were being put to shame, really. These scholars, these men of renown, these well-educated men, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and even some of the priests uh, would discourse with him and, and they would discuss things. And Christ would put them to shame and it would prick their hearts. And when they heard these things, they took him up on a hill and their intent was to cast him off of it, to kill him. And I'm thankful he just walked right through the midst of them. Could you imagine being there that day, watching these people as they take him out of the synagogue up to that hill? And Jesus says, okay, I've given you plenty of opportunity. And finally, he just walks right through the midst of them and walks away. But he fulfilled it once again, that he was despised, according to Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3. Secondly, in verse number 3, It says not only was he despised, but that he was rejected. He was rejected. Let's look in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27. Let's look in verse number, uh, let's start in verse number 19. We're going to read down through verse number 23. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this, with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. So Jesus is uh, here before Pontius Pilate at this point, getting ready to be judged of him. And, of course, Pontius Pilate, uh, uh, has his wife said, don't have anything to do with him. So verse number 20, But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, um, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And so, Given the choice, people were given the choice, they rejected Christ. They rejected Him. Hold your place there in Matthew 27. We're going to come back to it in just a minute. But the next part of verse number 3 in Isaiah 53 says that He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Let's turn back one page in Matthew to Matthew, or, yeah, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Verse number 37. He's going into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and he took, verse number 37, he says, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That would be James and John were the sons of Zebedee. So he takes Peter and James and John. Uh, the Bible says, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. 
Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Isaiah knew hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus even came on the scene that he would be a man of sorrow and he would be acquainted with grief. Then in verse number 3 of Isaiah 53, the last one says that he was despised. He was despised and we esteemed him not. That's an interesting phrase. We esteemed him not. There were men that were going to uh, despise him so much that they did not want to be around him. They did not want to associate with him. They didn't want to be a part of anything that, that had anything to do with Christ. And they would literally flee from him. They would, they would go out of their way to stay out, out of his presence and out of his association. Let's look in the book of Mark. Matthew, Mark. If you're in the New Testament, book of Matthew, then Mark. Chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Jesus had been praying in the garden, and in verse number 41, it says, And he cometh the third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Uh, He that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately, while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve. And with him a great multitude, with swords and staves, with chief priests, and the scribes and elders, he that betrayed him, had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him, and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords, with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took, uh, and you took me not. But the Scriptures must be fulfilled. In other words, uh, you're going to take me when you, in a most inopportune time, but you've got to do what you've got to do because the Scriptures need to be fulfilled. And so as we get down to verse number 50, it says, And they all, these are speaking of His disciples here, did what? They all forsook Him and fled. And there followed Him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young man laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Isaiah 53, verse number 3, says, He was despised and we esteemed Him not. They didn't want to be around Him. They didn't want to associate with Him during His time of need. Verse number 4 of Isaiah 53. The Bible says, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. There's a number of things that are found in these verses. First of all, He bears the penalty. 
for mankind's sin. He bears the penalty for mankind's sin. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll just do a few more of these. I won't get through all of them. But I wanted to give you several of these again. There actually are 35 different ones in Isaiah chapter 53 alone. And you can take time to go through and look those up and study that a little bit more on your own if you'd like. But I just wanted to show you the, the volume of prophecies in Scripture. We're not talking about just one or two things that the Lord fulfilled. We're talking about literally hundreds of things that were prophesied centuries, even millennia in some cases, before his, before his life, that he fulfilled 100%. And it's one thing for somebody to make a vague prophecy, and then something happened, and they can kind of make the narrative fit. Well, it kind of makes that prophecy be fulfilled. When it came to the things that Christ fulfilled, there was no question about it. He fulfilled it absolutely in its fullness. So let's look in verse number 5, or I'm sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 21. <clears throat> the Bible says, For He hath made Him to be what? Sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He came to pay the penalty for our sin. He was made sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And the second thing is, He brings peace between God and man. In, in verse number 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. With His stripes we are healed. This idea of uh, uh, getting peace with God, having to pay the chast- having to go through the chastening in order to have peace with God. He bore the chastening for us. That you and I could have this peace with God. And once again, in Isaiah, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible speaks of that. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We've been reconciled to a holy God. We who are sinners have been reconciled to be able to talk with and commune with and walk with a holy God who cannot tolerate sin. I'll give you, uh, let's, we'll do two more. We'll be done. And uh, there's several more I'm, I'm not going to give you today just for sake of time. And my voice is wearing out. Isaiah chapter 53, let's look in verse 7. Isaiah 53, verse number 7. The Bible says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Two different times in this verse, it speaks about the fact that he was going to be remaining silent like a sheep before his uh, shearers, before, his slaughter, uh, before the slaughter. In Matthew chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27, Jesus again is being tried, getting ready to be crucified in Matthew chapter 27. <clears throat> Let's start in verse number 7. And they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in, wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, 
and they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for a potter's field as the Lord appointed me. And so this was another prophecy that Jeremiah had made in the Old Testament that again Christ fulfilled. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused, so when he stands before his accusers now, and when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered, what's the next word here? Nothing. He was silent before them. Sometimes we read the account of the crucifixion. We read details like this. And we think, okay, that's, that's interesting, but what significance is that? The significance is it fulfilled another piece of prophecy. It was Christ making sure that he fulfilled every single prophecy that had ever been made about him. It was making sure that there was not one, not even one, that was in doubt that would cause somebody to say he, he fulfilled a lot of prophecy, but he missed this one, he missed that one, he can't be Christ. And so we got to understand as we read Scripture, sometimes some of the things we read that we think are fairly insignificant are rather significant and are certainly vital to our understanding of Scripture. So he opened not his mouth to his accusers. And then uh, also he's referred to in Isaiah 53, uh, in verse number 7, the one we just read. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought his lamb to the slaughter, his sheep first years is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He's referred to here as the sacrificial lamb. Oh my, what, what a great fulfillment of prophecy. What a great fulfillment of prophecy. Look with me in John chapter number 1. John 1 is, is one of my favorite chapters of Scripture. I love it. love to read it. And... It's the story of John the Baptist who is preparing the way of the Lord Jesus. And um, in John 1, uh, let's start in verse number, excuse me, verse number 22. Um, Let's start in verse number 19. We'll read a few verses here. And this is the record of John. Now, not speaking of John the disciple, but John the Baptist. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem, to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So when they asked John the Baptist who he was, he says, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? He answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah, uh, as said the prophet Isaiah. And so Isaiah had prophesied not in Isaiah 53, but in another place, that there was going to be a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that last Sunday, and pointed out that fulfillment. And when they were sent, and they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not? Uh, that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is, who cometh after me, and is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabarba, 
beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. There's going to be a lot of things that the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled as you study Scripture. I love every reference to the fact that He is the sacrificial Lamb. The one that in the book of Hebrews said it couldn't be the blood of calves and goats. That would not, that would not bring salvation. It could never, it could never redeem man. It said that Christ died once for all. And because he died once for all, the book of Hebrews says he's able to save them to the uttermost that believe on him. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And Isaiah prophesied that hundreds of years, hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus ever even came on the scene. We've given you probably in the last two weeks, I would say about 20, maybe 22, 23 different prophecies out of literally hundreds that are available. Folks, I know I don't need to convince, I'm preaching to the choir here today, I know I don't need to convince you that Jesus is the Christ. But wouldn't it do us well if we could know the Scriptures well enough and know these prophecies well enough that we could give an answer to those who do not, by faith, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That we could be able to give an answer to them that we could show them absolute proof, proof that defies any type of logical argument from man, from Scripture. And folks, I will say this, not only does our Bible record these fulfillments of prophecies, but it's amazing how many secular sources of that day verified and validated by historical accounts how many of these prophecies were fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ? We've got a wonderful opportunity to take the gospel message to a lost and a dying world. And may we sharpen our axes, may we prepare, may we study, so that we can be effective. And the Bible tells us we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I think it would do us well to sometimes do a study. Sometimes people say, well, Pastor, you got something I should read in Scripture, something I could do. You know, create projects for yourself in the Scriptures. Sit down and find out things. Maybe do a study on all the miracles that Christ did in Scripture. Maybe one day sit down and do a study of all the prophecies that you can find that Christ fulfilled. We could learn to handle the Word of God well and be able to give an answer to those who don't believe, those that don't have the kind of faith that we have, that they can also understand and know that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the Savior of the world. And as that angel declared 2,000 plus years ago, with glad tidings of great joy which shall be to all people, He is the Savior. Let's pray. Father, once again, we're thankful for the opportunity you've given to us to be here. Lord, how it charges our hearts and stirs us. 
Lord, how as we are reminded of all the things